0: welcome back to another special episode from tech markets where me and the leading expert mr tim finch talk to you about everything that's related to the financial market how are you doing today tim good it's been an eventful week last week right very eventful so lots of people made huge losses others made profits an amazing week for
1: the markets but is medium term picture any clearer now (laughs) I think the market's still confused. I mean, it's a week where confidence was shaken, right? So we have to ask the question, is it fear that's now the main factor moving markets?
0: Right. In a week where confidence was shaken, is fear now the main factor
1: moving the markets? To talk about inflation, um, I guess the question is, will the central banks have to pause rate rises because of this bank instability? I mean, the CPI inflation number came in as expected. And that caused U.S. Treasuries, i.e., interest rates, to fall suddenly because of this uh, Silicon Valley Bank issue. So, does that affect the Fed's rate rise thinking, its decision in March, or are these crisis events actually deflationary? Do they? Do they? Do we still need to have further rate rises? So, look, here's the dilemma for the Fed Chair Powell: if I raise by 50 basis points, like I signaled. I'll probably blow things up, right? If I raise by 25 basis points, I might still blow things up. If I don't raise, I lose all my credibility. If I cut, I look like I panicked and that may blow things up. So, you know, in Europe this week, we saw that Credit Suisse stock started falling on Wednesday. Now, this is a bank that's got a long history of risky exposures, fraud, different, you know, defrauding investors, fines. And the Saudi National Bank, which is not the central bank, it's Saudi National Bank, who invested only months ago, saw the value of the stock they bought fall by 50%. And their chairman was sitting in a conference panel discussion. And he said, that's it. We're not going to invest any further. So that really didn't help the stock. And it caused a, a an effect, a knock-on effect in euro dollar, which plunged on early Wednesday as well until dollar selling sort of brought it back. So by late Wednesday, the Swiss Central Bank, the Swiss National Bank, or SMB, said that liquidity would be made available to Credit Suisse. And it was $54 billion that was required. So Thursday, the shares rallied back 77% and then started to sink again on Friday. So this weekend, we'll actually see talks for UBS, their biggest competitor in Switzerland, to take over or merge with Credit Suisse so this is kind of what the central banks fear the most you know contagion where one bank failure maybe triggers others so the fear was this week would an ecb rate rise trigger this situation because the ecb's dilemma is similar to the the fed but the president lagarde raised rates by 50 basis points and she wasn't scared she said there's no trade-off between price stability which is why they're raising rates to curtail inflation, and financial stability, banking industry issues. So Eurodollar was a bit confused after that. It didn't really react after the announcement. So the market started to think, mm, what does Lagarde know that we don't? And so obviously yeah. this was the possible takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS. Right.
0: And we've seen lots of people are comparing last week offence to the 2008 crisis, What's your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's different. I mean, 2008 was uh, obviously triggered by by Lehman and the knock-on effect from that. And that was more about bad positions, bad positioning. I mean, Silicon Valley Bank did have a poor risk management system where they weren't looking at the risks when interest rates went up. But they're, they're a single instance. But now everyone's looking into every bank's position in these treasuries and bonds that they have to invest in. I mean, it's the normal business of banking. You know, the the way that banks work is they take in deposits and they usually lend or invest more than the amount of those deposits. And that's based on the idea that not everyone will want those funds back quickly. But what happens when people panic? Nowadays, we can move funds so quickly just using a smartphone, right? And apparently there were a bunch of startup CEOs we we're on a bus going skiing in the U.S. A new guy gets on the bus and sees everyone frantically on their smartphones doing something. What are you doing, he asks. He says, we're getting our money out of Swiss, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, they shout. So, of course, he panics and does the same. That equals a run on the bank, right? So, oh, yeah, it, it is different this time. Uh, but, you know, fear about the banking industry is, is a really, really tricky thing.
0: We've actually seen a lot of USD selling this week. Why is that, Tim?
1: Yeah, I mean, normally, if stock markets are going down, which they were early in the week, then the dollar's rising. But because this was a US crisis to begin with, they've started selling dollars. So dollar CNH fell initially this week to 6.84, like we predicted, then came back to 6.92. That showed that you know China, the recovery is still a work in progress. It's really dollar yen that fell the most this week, down from 137 to 131 and a half. So this is because the yen has become a refuge currency. And we'll talk about more on that a little bit later. And the dollar index normally should be going up. Looks like it's unable to go higher for now. Found some resistance in the early 104s, and it's back to 103.50 by the end of the week. So it was really the news about the US banks that was the most negative factor for the dollar. I mean, when you don't have access to your funds at the bank, how do you, how do you feel? You know, you you just feel fearful. I mean, we've seen what happened in in Lebanon, right? Once the banks started to close down, we all know what happened there. Inflation, collapse of the Lebanese pound, people just panic. And, you know, they frantically want to be doing something. So in the US, we saw a tremendous flow of deposits from the smaller regional banks that supported startups and Silicon Valley type companies. All that money started to go towards the larger US banks. So 15 billion went into Bank of America alone on Wednesday this week. So what happens if banks are then not allowed to lend out as much of these deposits? It means a restriction in lending to companies that have really enjoyed cheap rates and easy access to funding. I think, as you say, the important thing here is about confidence. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we chose Orbix as our banking partner. We selected them because they're stable, well capitalized, very well regulated brokerage. And they use sound banking partners so it's always going to be a low risk home for your money if you invest in us all your funds are held in segregated client accounts and that's the safest place that you can keep your money
0: absolutely that's right i mean the smartest thing to do right in this year is to invest your money somewhere where you feel it's safe where you get steady returns where you don't lose the value of your money we've seen what's happening in the world around the globe global economies are collapsing Big financial crisis. So the the only way to move forward and fight inflation is by investing your money in a smart system, reliable team, and where you can get steady returns. Because ten thousand dollar today won't buy you the same thing you can buy next year. Is that right, Tim?
1: Yeah, inflation is still up at five or six percent in you know even the countries where it's you know the lowest. I and mean, we've seen some of the other regimes where inflation is even higher and. You see it yourself. You go to the supermarket, right? Your your money buys you less. That means inflation. And don't forget that inflation is the rate that prices are rising or falling. It doesn't necessarily mean that if inflation starts falling, that prices will go down. Prices will probably stick at these high levels and everybody's struggling, right? So it's really a search for return. You're looking for a yield on your money. And that's the most difficult thing. That's
0: so true. I mean, two things are guaranteed in life is death and inflation, the consistent uh, raise of cost of living. Anyways, let's move on to the US equity market. Seems seems a little bit volatile, as you would expect during a banking crisis. Uh, Time to buy or time to hold off?
1: Well, we've been watching this for a while now. As we always say, it's the wall of money, which is the fear of missing out that you should buy now versus the wall of worry about rising interest rates or the joy of missing out where you don't buy yet because prices could get cheaper. So you would think that if interest rates can't go up anymore because of this banking crisis, that the FOMO buyers would be out this week, right? Interest rates through treasuries are lower this week. Is the Fed put back in place, you know, the the idea that the Fed is protecting the stock market? Or is a risk of recession now higher and a credit crunch is coming, as we said before? So some of the bullish TV commentators changed to fearful this week. I mean, the strongest buying was really seen on Thursday after, you know, the rescue was in place from the FDIC. And on Friday, some caution set in. It was a triple witching day where a lot of options expired. So, I mean, a famous market commentator said, The market can remain irrational much longer than you can hold your position. So are people being, you know, slightly more cautious this week because we didn't see those FOMO buyers that normally come out on any kind of good news about interest rates not going higher. So it's really NASDAQ that's led the way this week. You know, are the big tech stocks back? Maybe people are thinking about stronger, larger companies. They'd be favored because they are cash rich. You know, watch Apple, for instance, as it's quite a large percentage of the index, a very strong company, very good cash reserves. The Dow Jones, are these stocks normally weaker in a recession? In a recession, it, it seems to be lagging the Nasdaq a bit. Importantly, the S and P still below that key 3940-3960 area it hasn't really made any new lows, but it's not really breaking firmly back above. So Friday we saw that caution, but generally, if you look at the week. US equities didn't really make any new lows on Wednesday after the Credit Suisse news, but the markets were shaky. I mean, we might look back in weeks to come and say that this moment of stress was the perfect time to buy. So this week, I'm declaring FOMO the winner on equities because of the Thursday rally after the Fed. And um, you know JP Morgan and the other banks formed a consortium to help First Republic Bank with some funding. Um, stock still went down on, on Friday. So, you know, is the banking crisis over? Not yet. So maybe a little bit of caution setting in, in the equity
0: markets. Absolutely. And let's talk about the commodity market. What's happening over there?
1: Yeah, gold did go higher, as we said last week. It closed at 1987 on Friday, which is a high. So everyone's talking about 2000. That's not very far away. It's an easy commentator's uh, Uh, statement to say, oh, yeah, it could hit 2000 when it's already at 1987. So now we know what all that mysterious buying was in the low 1800s a couple of weeks ago, maybe somebody knew this banking crisis was happening, and they were putting on a long gold position as as a hedge. And also, the oil price fell very hard this week down to $66. That's kind of precise pricing in a recession now. But don't forget that President Biden said that when he released some of the strategic petroleum reserve, the reserve that the the country keeps, he would be able to refill it at $70 or better. So that might add some support in the 60s if they do refill that reserve by buying oil and uh, topping up their stocks again.
0: Right. Last week, we talked about yen strength and we saw that play out against the USD and OED. Why was this?
1: Yeah, so yen buying takes place when the fear index starts to figure in the market's thinking because yen is a refuge currency that people run to when they're worrying about the USA and Europe. So in a moment where the fears about the underlying resilience of the banking system in those countries is rising, Um, and BOJ comments were not focused on increasing interest rates yet, it creates this bizarre situation where a country where interest rates are not raising is favoured over others for now, as the banks there may not have any negative income like the banks in the US did when rates went up. So it's a bit complicated thinking, but it could be a temporary move, but yen is something that people run into as well as gold when they're fearful. Right, and what's next for crypto now well crypto is having a good year uh, a good year no news on the negative side this week is good news I mean there was a slight negative flight from stable coins which lost their peg you know in some cases they should be pegged one to one against the dollar and they fell to 0.92 so all of that money you know Binance did a big transfer of their reserves which they hold for emergencies into Bitcoin So, of course, that led to a lot of buying. And if we look at the price action, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about 20,000 as a psychological support. It did get tested in the down move to 19675. But once Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank being taken and the Silvergate news was out of the way, once the FDIC guaranteed bank deposits, it was Bitcoin that was the first to rally. So, the rally tested 26,200 and we had 25,200 as resistance. Those were both broken. This morning, it's nearly hit 28,000, the target we talked about a month ago. So, those same commentators are now talking about 45,000 as the next target. So, there seems to be strong support at 24,000 now. So, that's what you want to see in a bullish market a series of higher highs and higher lows as the market goes higher. So, You know, I think Bitcoin, it does have a role to play as a refuge currency, maybe. I would guess it's probably younger people would think of buying Bitcoin, whereas our older generation looks at buying gold as a refuge in that situation. That's absolutely right.
0: What happened in the UK this week?
1: Well, it was the UK budget on Wednesday, mostly leaked in advance. You know, they give it to all the news services. UK inflation, he's now predicting it to fall to 2.9% by the end of 2023, which would be great because in the States, they're still sticky at 5 or 6%. Now, corporation tax is going to rise to 25%. I'm not sure how that helps the UK to be seen as a growth zone. Um, other good news for Rishi was the nurses' strike was resolved but now the passport workers are striking for a month. Are they all going to go on holiday to Bali and while they have a a month off and nobody else can go on their holiday because they can't get a passport? The train strikes still continuing. There's one today. So the Conservatives in this budget are kind of now focusing on elections, which have to be held by the end of 2024. So a lot of the measures that they announced come before that date, if it's positive for the nation, And if they're slightly expensive, they're targeted for after 2025. So if they don't get in again, it'll be somebody else's problem, right? Will the Conservatives still be in power? A lot of the polls are saying no. So Sterling held above the 118 level we talked about last week, and it was helped this week by dollar selling. It's not really got back above 122 yet. So we talked about a range of 118 to 125. Um, Let's look at the inflation numbers, which are out on Wednesday the 22nd and see if the BOE raises rates or are we coming to the end of that rate rising cycle in the UK.
0: Right. So finally, what to watch for next week?
1: Well, the big one next week is the Fed's FOMC meeting to decide about interest rates. That's on the uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, the 21st, 22nd. Um, Keep watching the yen. Is it the world's refuge currency and how long will that last? Keep watching dollar CNH. You know, is there going to be more selling of dollars there? Um, tourist visas and passports are now being made available, so Chinese tourists can start flying again. Um, Bitcoin, you know, we've seen the flight to quality over some of the more dodgy altcoins. Can it go higher still? Um, you know, twenty-eight thousand was definitely a marker post that we had uh, as resistance. So let's see if that that breaks through there and can can we go higher? Also, we're still watching U.S. equities. Will these re- see the return of the FOMO crowd? You know, would even the Jomo crowd also start to buy again? I've always seen myself more in the, you know, don't fear, don't fight the Fed JOMO group. But this week I even looked at a couple of charts which told me maybe you have a long position. And that was on Thursday. It didn't really carry through to Friday, so I think we still got time. But when you think you've got time, often you haven't. Maybe that was the low. Let's see what happens
0: absolutely thank you so much tim rich of brilliant knowledge as always now it's question time every week we try to answer a question that you guys are watching send in so the question i've got here how many positions do you trade every
1: day or each week you want to go for that first Tim, or should i yeah so i mean we're, we're i'll leave you to talk about the actual number of positions but the currency pairs that we trade are the ones with the deepest liquidity. You know, we don't trade Turkish lira or, you know, rare, small Latin American type currencies. We don't don't tend to do that because we want to keep into markets where we can get in and out easily. And as we said many times on this podcast, our strategy really this year is based on we think the markets are range bound. So we don't get married to the positions for very long. We trade in and out on a daily basis and we square up ready for the weekends absolutely that's right and i just
0: want to add something there to what you just said i like i like the term you use don't marry the position it's actually brilliant (laughs) so i just want to say something guys this is trading and it's not gambling and there is no definite answer of how many trades we place each week each week may look different than the week before right and for us it's always been about quality over quantity. So there comes some days where we don't trade at all. There's comes some days where we just place two or three positions that week. So it depends on the market direction. It depends on the analysis we've got, and it depends on our team's thoughts as well. Like I've always said, this is trading and it's not gambling. And it's always been about quality and not quantity. So we can continue to produce consistent returns for our clients.
1: I think you'll anyway. see times when we don't have a position in the market, and that might be. You know, even for a few days, if we think that the risk of trading isn't balanced out by the opportunities that's in the market. So if you have an account and you've just started and you don't see any trades in it, don't get worried because we're waiting for the right moment. We try to protect your capital by being very sure before we put positions on. So don't get nervous if you don't see any trades initially in your account. It'll soon come and you'll start to see us get active when we think the time's right.
0: Spot on. And that happened early on this week where we didn't trade, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. We're waiting for the right market direction and the right opportunity, the right trading opportunity. That can show you our low risk management approach. And we really strive for quality over quantity. There's an old market
1: saying that says, There are old traders and there are bold traders, but there are not many old, bold traders. So (laughs) it's no disgrace to say, I don't know where this market's going. Therefore, I'll stay flat. I won't have a position until I do have a good idea.
0: Exactly, exactly. No one is bigger than the market, right? So thank you so much, Tim, for your time. Brilliant as always, looking smart as always. appreciate your time and guys if you're watching this on youtube please make sure you hit that like button for the youtube algorithms and if you're listening to this on apple podcast or spotify please consider giving us a five star reviews we'll see you again hopefully next week take care